hit send when you're done with that connection card, and it'll get where it needs to get to. My name is Phil. I'm the senior pastor here. Just want to welcome all of you who are here in the room. Also want to welcome everybody who's joining us on Facebook Live and YouTube. Before I get into my sermon, let me just remind all of you about our updated uh, policies here. Um, we have been we have been just dealing the last you know 14 months. We have been just trying to figure out how to navigate this pandemic and and this this hopefully once in a lifetime situation. Um, and what we've done, what what are uh, we decided kind of early on that what we were going to do was to follow the recommendations of the CDC. So whatever the CDC said, it was like, okay, that's that's what we're going to do. We're not going to try to make this up as we go along. We're not going to try to you know. Figure, figure all of this out on our own. We're going to go with the state mandates. We're going to go with the CDC, and that's, and that's what we've done. Uh, and, uh, and so a couple of weeks ago, the CDC said, vaccinated people do not need to wear masks indoors. And, uh, and so, so what we decided was that, that would, we, would, we waited for Governor Murphy to lift the mask mandate uh, for New Jersey, which he did last week. And so now, if you are vaccinated, uh, you do not need to wear a mask when you come to church. We're going to keep the seating like this. Um, we just thought, like, just to have a little bit of a buffer, probably through the summer, we'll be able to do that. We actually, we can get a lot of seats in like this because it's a big room, and so we can, you know, even add some more if we need to. Um, and, uh, you know, but if you're, if you're, if you want to continue to wear a mask, by all means, continue to wear a mask. I mean, we are a come-as-you-are church, and there'll be no you know, shaming or expectations or anything like that. We did a survey. I sent out a survey a couple days ago, and I want to thank uh, all of you who helped, who filled it out, because that gave us some really helpful information. And more than half of you said, we're just going to continue wearing a mask because we feel more comfortable that way. And so that is fine. Some people, because they're immunocompromised, others are waiting, you know, for more time for more people to get vaccinated. Whatever the case is, that's fine. Uh, But we also, I want to let you know, when it comes to kids' church, uh, because we're continuing to follow the guidance of the CDC, we're going to continue to have children in kids' church, children and workers, when they're in the classroom, wear a mask, okay? Because that's what the CDC is advising for kids, and that's what the, what's going on in all of our elementary and, you know, schools uh, all around, all right? So we will, uh, we, we, will, we will keep you posted as we go forward. Um, but since I didn't have to wear a mask today because I'm vaccinated, I shaved. I, you know, I figured, okay, now I can, uh, you know, show the, the, and it's just, it's just, it's nice to, uh, it's just great, you know, listen, I'm just so thankful. Uh, I, I just have to say this. I have some pastor friends from around the country, and the last 14 months for some of my pastor friends has been a nightmare, like an absolute nightmare. I know people who've like been like, I can't do this anymore, because it was like people in their church would be mad that there weren't enough restrictions, and then other people would be mad that there were too many restrictions, and I just want to say thank you guys, because the way that you guys have been over the last 14 months has just made it has made it so much easier for us to try to navigate all of this. And you guys have been just honestly, it is, I am, I am, a, I am a blessed man to be able to, uh, to pastor you guys. I mean that seriously, because I've, I, you know, I've, had to, I've got pastor friends from around the country that had a very different experience. Um, we have been in a verse-by-verse series from the book of James. And so we're going to be doing this all throughout June and, and then probably even a little bit in the summer. 
uh, because uh, it's just, it's nice to, to take some time and to just go verse by verse through a book of the Bible. We usually try to do that, you know, a couple times, you know, during the year. And uh, what's nice about it is it forces you to just deal with whatever's next, like whatever comes next. And so we're moving into a section where James is talking about how we should treat each other. And, and so I think it's, it's really good for us to think about how we should treat each other. That's why I said when I introduced the book of James, I said some people call it the Proverbs of the New Testament because there's, there's a lot of practical wisdom that's in there. And so you're going to see that. You're going to see that in the, in the section of Scripture that we're going to be talking about today. That's just very practical. A lot of, lot of great wisdom that's there. And I think it's actually timely because, you know, over the last 14 months as we've been isolated and we haven't been around people, we've kind of forgotten how to relate to people. There's, there are reports of a lot of, like, increased social anxiety and stress because we just kind of got out of the habit of being around people. And so the title of this message is How to Treat People Right. And so I'm not, we're going to look at the first half of, um, of James chapter 2, but I'm not going to read the whole thing to start. Uh, we're just going to kind of go, I'll walk us through uh, as, as, we, as I move through the sermon. But I would encourage you to open up your app, and uh, I've got fill-in-the-blank notes that I put together, so you can kind of follow along and, and, uh, and, and have something. The cool thing about that, too, is if you want, you can email it to yourself at the end, so you, you know, if you want to collect them and hold on to them. But, but there's just a very simple principle here that we're going to unpack that James thinks is kind of a big deal, and he spends a lot of time talking about this simple principle of don't show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. James 2.1 starts off this, this section. He says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Now, throughout this book, there's a couple of times where James starts it off by saying, by saying, brothers and sisters. And when he says brothers and sisters, it means he's going to get a little intense. It means he's going to, he's going to drop the hammer. And here, he's addressing favoritism. And, you know, think about partiality. Think about prejudice. The New English Bible translates it as snobbery. He's basically saying, listen, don't be a snob. Don't turn your nose up. Don't look down on people. Don't play the game. He's saying to followers of Jesus, don't play the game that the world plays. Because you know the game that the world plays, right? The world says, we're going to make these arbitrary distinctions. And if people are at certain levels on the ladder, if they're high up on the ladder, then we're going to treat them differently. And what James is saying is, we need to not do that. Don't play that game. The, the Greek word for favoritism is prosolapemsis. So I had to practice that. It's not an easy one. Huh? Thanks, Don. Don, put your mask back on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, it literally means to receive somebody's face. That's what it means, to receive someone's face, to, to take someone on face value, to, to judge a book by its cover. A, a superficial judgment. To make a superficial judgment, James says don't do that. Don't treat people differently based on superficial judgments. The, the good news paraphrase says, never treat anybody in a different way according to their outward appearance. Now, now, this is something that, you know, maybe we don't really think about this too much. And maybe this whole idea of like showing favoritism, treating people differently for, for different reasons, is just such a normal part of life that we just don't really think of it. We don't even realize that we do it. 
And so what are some of the ways that this shows up in our life? Because James, he's very clear. Like he says, don't do it. He's going to give us examples of what it looks like. He's going to tell us what, you know, why it's negative, why we shouldn't do it. But, uh, but some of the ways that this shows up is, is we treat people differently based on how they look, right? Just because somebody has a symmetrical face. That's, I mean, there's been studies that have shown that if you're deemed attractive, which just means that your face is symmetrical. I mean, that's really kind of all that it means. And when you stop and you think about it, that's pretty arbitrary. But if you're deemed attractive, like life's easier for you. Doors open up for you. You know, people treat you differently. James is saying, don't do that. Don't show favoritism just based on superficial judgments. Another way that this shows up is according to race and ethnicity. Now, we have just passed the one-year anniversary or milestone of George Floyd's murder which has been for our entire country, the world really, an opportunity to like really think about this, this superficial, these superficial judgments that we make, these assumptions that we make, these prejudices that we have based upon the color of people's skin or people's ethnicity. And so we have been really trying as, as a church. We've done a lot of different things. You know, over this past year, we've been saying, let's, let's really come together Let's really get to know each other. Let's take advantage of the fact that we are a a, a multi-ethnic, diverse church and really try to hear each other and understand each other so we can empathize with one another so that we can get over these prejudices and these superficial uh, judgments can be eliminated. And so we've done this, and, and I, you know, we're going to continue to do this. We're going to continue to look for ways to, to do this because we think it's a very important part of the calling that God's given us as a multi-ethnic, diverse church, uh, a, a diverse body. But it's one of the ways, one of the superficial judgments that, that come up that James says we shouldn't do. Uh, age is another one. Well, we say, oh, you're too old to do that, or oh, you're too young. That's a superficial judgment. Another, a big one, and it's actually the one that James is going to use as an example, is wealth and status. Now think about this. When you're with someone who lives like way above your means, like they're in a, they have a totally different standard of living, how does your attitude change around that person? Because I'm sure that it does. I'm sure that your attitude changes around that person. What about if you're with someone whose standard of living is way below your standard of living? Your attitude changes. Right? This is, this is something that we all do. It's just there. And James, James says, don't do it. Don't, peep, don't treat people differently just because they make more money than you, just because they make less money than you. This is not something that followers of Jesus should do. And this is what he gives the example of. James, James chapter 2, verse 2, he says, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And so James wants to make sure we understand what he's talking about. Like we understand where this shows up in the church, where this shows up in our life. And so he says, imagine, okay, you got two people, they come to the church, they're new, You know they're new because they don't know where to sit, and so the welcome team's got to greet them and kind of bring them to their seat. And one guy is dressed really well, and he's he's blinged out. He's got gold rings. Actually, the Greek word is gold-fingered because 
Roman society at this time was very ostentatious, and so people loved to make a display of their wealth. Even if they weren't wealthy, there was this whole like cottage industry where you could rent gold rings, and so you could put like the gold rings on and just rent them when you were kind of going out. You could rent special clothes that would have like jewels that were sewn into the clothes, and so you've got a person like this showing up, and so so the welcome team they're just like, hey, you know, you're you're special, you're a VIP you get to sit in the very front row. Now, what you need to understand is James is not saying that this guy shouldn't have come to church. James is not have, doesn't have any problem whatsoever with this guy being in church, this wealthy guy with the gold fingers and everything else. But what he has a problem with is that he gets preferential treatment, that he gets treated differently because of his wealth. And then you've got another guy who comes in, and this guy's dressed shabbily, and this guy's poor. And, and this guy, it's the, the, where, it says, uh, where it says, come sit by my feet, the actual translation is sit under my, foot, under my footstool. It's a put down, right? It's like this guy is treated badly. He's treated shamefully. And so James says, don't do that. Don't do that. And he gives, as he's talking about this and as he's defining it, he gives in the text three very clear reasons why followers of Jesus shouldn't do this, why we need to be aware of this, why we need to understand that God calls us to be different. This is how the world operates, right? You know, we see the world plays favorites. The world says, if you're wealthy, we're going to treat you different. The world says, if you're beautiful, we're going to treat you different. The world says, if you're powerful, we're going to treat you different. But James is like, listen, that can't show up in the church of Jesus Christ. And so, so the real simple reasons why, why this is a problem. Number one, favoritism is unchristian, right? He starts right off, he says, as believers in the Lord Jesus, don't show favoritism. Romans 2 verse 11 says, for God does not show favoritism. Because really, I mean, it's very simple. We're followers of Jesus. And Jesus, he treated everyone that he came in contact with, he treated them with dignity. I mean, that's the thing that we love the most about Jesus, right? When we think about Jesus and how wonderful he is, we love the way that every single person got treated with dignity. He, you know, encounters the woman at the well, and she's a Samaritan woman, and she's, you know, got all these ex-husbands, and, and he doesn't care. He treats her with dignity. He treats everyone with dignity. That's what we love about him. And so, and so basically what, what James is saying here is if you're a follower of Jesus, is our world is becoming more and more hostile. As our world is becoming harder and harder and people, you know, they get ghosted and people, people get canceled and there's no mercy and there's no grace, their needs in the church of Jesus Christ, in this world where so many people are beaten up and so many people are made to feel less than because they don't measure up, the church needs to be the one place where people can show up and they can be accepted and they can be loved and they can be affirmed because that's how Jesus treated us. And so, if, so we need to, so much of the Christian life is that we like think about how did Jesus treat us, and then we got to make sure that's how we treat other people. And so it is, it's unchristian. Favoritism is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. He goes on in verse 5. He says, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, 
Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? And so when he says, has God not chosen the poor? He's not saying here, poor people go to heaven, rich people go to hell. That's not what he's saying. Because if he was saying that, all of us who are in this room right now, we would be in trouble, right? Because as far as Bergen County is concerned, we may not be rich, but as far as the world is concerned, every, probably every single person who's hearing this right now would be considered rich. So he's not saying that, but what he's saying is it's illogical. It's illogical to give preferential treatment to someone just because they're wealthy. He's saying, because listen, here's the reality. The rich, like you're treating the rich with all this special treatment, they could care less about you, right? It was the Roman nobility, they were the ones who were arresting the Christians and dragging them, you know, in the Colosseum with the lions. It was the Roman nobility who could afford to go into the Colosseum, who would cheer when the Christians were being torn apart by the lions. It was the Sanhedrin and it was the Pharisees who were wealthy, who would drag the Christians before, you know, the Jewish courts. He said, why do you worry about impressing them? they're certainly not worried about impressing you. And so think about it. Why do we treat people differently? Why do we treat people who have status, right? However society wants to define status, why do we treat them differently? If they're wealthy, if they're beautiful, if they're powerful, it's because we want to be adjacent to power. And the reason we want to be adjacent to power is because we think that that powerful person can do something for us. And so what James is kind of getting at here is like, listen, this doesn't make sense because you're worried about this powerful person, this wealthy person, come sit in the front row of the church because maybe, I don't know, you can do good things for the church. He's like, listen, you, you need to realize, like you're so caught up in being adjacent to power, you're forgetting who you are. Because you are a son of God, you are a daughter of God, you are adjacent to the most powerful, right? You are in Christ. And so it doesn't make any sense for you to worry about this, this person that the world considers powerful who can open up a door or two when you are connected to the one who has the keys to open up every single door. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. Why do we give this special treatment? Ultimately, it's a, it's a lack of faith. And it's forgetting who you are as a child of God. And so he also goes on and he's very clear in saying favoritism is unloving. It says in James chapter 2, verse 8, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. And so the royal law, love your neighbor as yourself, it's called that because if we obeyed it, we wouldn't need all the other laws. Life would be way better. Galatians 5.14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so what James does here now is, he, you know, he defines the problem, he gives examples of it, and then he kind of moves into saying, hey guys, listen, this is a really big deal. Like this is, you know, you may think, okay, well, favoritism, that's just what people do. It's, it's not that big of a deal. But actually, the Bible is really clear that how we relate to other people has everything to do with how we relate to God. It says this in 1 John 4.20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. And so, if you treat someone as less than because they're poor, 
and you claim to love God, James, you know what? The Bible's saying you're actually a liar. I mean, you're not really doing what you, what you claim to be doing. Your life isn't really lined up as a follower of Jesus the way that it should. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And so we kind of moves into now to, to show the seriousness of this, like why this is a big deal. Verse 9, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So I think what James is doing is he's anticipating the person who would say, James, why are you making such a big deal about favoritism? Why are you making such a big deal about putting somebody in the front row just because they're wealthy or beautiful or whatever it is? What's the big deal? It's not like I killed anybody. And so actually what James does is he takes the two sins that people would say, oh, these are like the, you know, the, the most hardcore sins, murder and adultery. And he says, listen, just because you're like, say, I'm not going to murder someone, but then you commit adultery, well, that makes you a lawbreaker, right? All you got to do is break one law to be a lawbreaker. And so he says that with murder and adultery because he wants you to see how serious favoritism is, that it makes you a lawbreaker. And the reason it's a big deal is because we have received mercy from God, right? We have received, we are in Christ, right? He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. We have been treated way better than we deserve, right? As far as God is concerned, we were like way, way low down on the ladder. And Jesus was at the very tippy top of the ladder. And what God said is, I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you in Christ at the very tippy top of the ladder. And I'm going to lavish my mercy on you, my love on you, my grace on you. I'm going to call you my son. I'm going to call you my daughter. You're going to get to rule and reign with Christ. I'm going to treat you way better than you deserve. And so if we go ahead and we worry about these arbitrary ladders that society, that society kind of constructs and we let that affect the way that we treat people, then we're kind of missing the whole point, right? We've received all this mercy, but we're not displaying any mercy. It's a really big deal. And as I said before, listen, I don't know, I don't know if you feel this, but it just seems to me that our world is getting harsher. I think it's always been true, like the people of Christ, the body of Christ, like we got to figure out what it means for us to be the body of Christ. But I kind of feel that now, more than ever, it's so important because there's so much hatred in our society. There's so much hatred between people for political reasons. There's so much prejudice. There's so much racism that's been, that's been revealed that people are dealing with. There's class warfare. There's ghosting. There's canceling. There's no mercy. There's none of it. And so this is a time for us as a church, for us to say, okay, what does it mean for us to be the people of God? Think about, right, the darker things are, the more light is going to shine bright. And this is an opportunity for our light to shine bright. So imagine, imagine if we were a church that just accepted everyone. Like just like really, like literally, like straight up. It didn't just say everybody's welcome, but we actually did it. Like the way that we treat people, 
Every single person is accepted. And listen, the reason this is such a big deal is that I know that you have wounds in your life because of rejection. Like I, everybody, even like the people you think like, oh, they're on the top of the ladder. No, they have, they have rejection issues too. I mean, when you get on the, like, like I think that when you're at the top of the ladder, sometimes that really gets like, that, that's the harshest place to be because people are always trying to pull you down. And so, you know what? We've all dealt with rejection. And maybe, you know what? Like you've just, you've dealt with rejection ever since maybe there was something that went on in your family and you just felt like you were the problem child. Or you were the child who was, who was less loved. Or you were the one who didn't measure up to your older brother or your older sister. Maybe you had experiences in the junior high school cafeteria that you've just never gotten over. I mean, I've, listen, we get, we get stuck in things. And you know, like, like 12-year-olds can be mean. And, and I know, listen, some of you, you, you were not accepted and it stayed with you. Maybe you were not accepted by your spouse. And they, you know, they, they, they just rejected you and they treated you horribly. And the person that you were one flesh with, they just, they just like turned away from you and just, and just broke your heart. See, this is something that we all deal with. C.S. Lewis talks about the inner ring. I love, Isaiah always had so much insight. And he said, he said this about the, the fear of being left out of the inner ring. I believe that in all men's lives at certain periods and in men's lives at all periods between infancy and extreme old age, one of the most dominant elements is the desire to be inside the local ring and the terror of being left outside. So what if we just said as a church, like seriously, hey, those of you who are so tired, being out there, trying to be accepted, trying to climb the ladder, come into the North Jersey Vineyard, come into the people of God, you don't have to worry about that. We are just going to accept you. We're just, you're just come here and you're going to be accepted, not because of where you are in the ladder, but because you're made in the image of God. The precious blood of Jesus was shed for you. And so you have unsurpassable worth. And so we're going to treat you as someone who has unsurpassable worth, no matter where you show up on the ladder. That has nothing to do with your value. That has nothing to do with your worth. And I think one of the reasons that the church has a hard time with this, is that we get confused between, between, accepting, between accepting someone and approving someone. We kind of think we have to approve of everything in someone's life in order to accept them. But you see, here's the reality. I hope you guys accept me, but there are things in my life that I don't even approve of. I mean, there are, there are struggles that I have and there's, you know, thought patterns and things where I'm not yet formed into the image of Christ that I want to be that I don't approve of. And so we don't have to approve of everyone's life in order to accept them. What the Bible actually says in Romans 15, 7, it says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. So how did Jesus accept you? I mean, are, are there things in your life right now that Jesus doesn't approve of? I hope you say yes, because if you say no, then, you, you know, you, I don't know if I can help you with this sermon. You got some deception going on. But he accepts you. He loves you. And so we are to accept one another as he's accepted us. We, it's just so important. And, and you know, I think we do a pretty good job with this, but I, wanna, I want us to do even better. Just to realize we are not a museum. 
for like saints, perfect saints that we want to put on display. We are a hospital for sinners. We are people who are broken. We are people who are in process. We are people who know that we're loved and accepted by God. We know that God has, has, has bestowed grace and mercy on us that we don't deserve. And so we accept, imagine if we radically accepted everyone. Let's go a step further. What would it look like if we as a church appreciated everyone? Didn't just accept them, but appreciated them. Philippians 2, 3 to 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interest, but each of, each of you to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So what this means is, okay, so you accept someone, and you don't stop with that, right? You look for what it is you can appreciate. But you see, what happens, what, what we're kind of conditioned to do is that when we're relating to someone, we become aware of the things that bug us. I mean, every single person, every person that you have in your life in any capacity, there's something about them that bugs you a little bit, right? I mean, don't be looking at the person sitting next to you. Let's not, let's not go there. But that, there's, and what happens, though, is that we, when we think about that person, oftentimes what we think about first is that thing that bugs us. But what the Bible says is we're to have grace for each other. We're to have grace. We're to just accept people and just kind of look past those things. And what we need to do is we need to say, where do I see the image of God really expressed in this person's life? Where do I see, what is the thing in their life that I can not just accept, but I can also appreciate? Where I can say, man, they're really gifted in this way. They really got this going on. God really shows up in this way. Every single person, there's something that you can find of every single person in your life that you could appreciate. And so what you need to do is when you think of that person, you need to lead with what it is that you appreciate about them. So imagine if we were a church that accepted people and appreciated people, and if we then became a church that affirmed everyone, that we looked for opportunities to lift people up, to encourage people. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you were doing. So, so when we accept people and when we find that thing that we appreciate, we make sure that they know that we appreciate them. We make sure that, that we don't leave it unsaid, that we state it. We look for opportunities to encourage and to build one another up. I think it's so great. I'm so excited that we're being able, that we're able to move forward as a church that we're able, every week, we're able to see more people come back and worship in person. We're seeing more and more people get vaccinated. I think it's like 70% of adults have at least one, have received at least one vaccination shot in the state of New Jersey. We're starting to plan things like, you know, when we're going to do baptisms, when we're going to do baby dedications, even some conferences and different things. I think that is, that's so great. And, and as we're at this place, I've just been like thinking and kind of praying through this passage and thinking, God, what is it that you're trying to say to us right now? And, and why is it that you want us to be thinking about this now? And I think it's as we begin now to, to re-engage and we look for ways that God wants to use us as we move forward, we are to be a church that is filled with love because nothing can stop a church that is filled with the love of God. And, and that if we were a church, you know, where we understand, like, what is it we're called to be and how it is we're called to treat people differently, and that we would understand that we all have to take responsibility for this. 
Like that you realize, like you don't just, you know, I, I love the saying, like when you're in traffic on Route 4, right, you're not just stuck in traffic, you are traffic, right? I mean, you're part of the traffic. And the same is true for the kind of environment that we have here at the church, right? Every single one of us, we play an important role in the environment of this church. Are we loving? Are we accepting? Are we affirming? Are we appreciating? And so I just want to challenge you that we would take, you know, this, this kind of warning that James has. It's something that would be very easy to dismiss and just be like, okay, what's the big deal? And say, no, this really is a big deal. And so if you're on the welcome team, I just, you know, it, it's a challenge now for people on the welcome team because they don't have to take temperatures. We don't have a program for them to give out. And they're like, we don't know what to do. And I said, just welcome people. Like, just make sure that, like, everyone that, when you open up the door for them and you say good morning to them, that they, like, they know that you are so glad that they're here, that they are so welcome. I think about people on the prayer ministry team. You know, we're going we're gonna to go to prayer ministry in a moment, and you have such a wonderful opportunity to affirm people, that you can demonstrate love, you can look for an opportunity for God to speak a word of affirmation, right? For those of you who work with kids, that I would, I would love it. You know, some, some of the kids who come to our services on a regular basis, you, you might be surprised at some of the things that maybe are going on in their home environment. And maybe you can be that like bright spot in their life that can just make a world of difference. And so are you letting that child know that you love them, that you appreciate them, that you welcome them? Because you know what? Jesus said this. He said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so I just want to, I want to encourage us that we would really think this through and say, you know what, we want to, we want to think about the way that we love each other. We recognize that this world is broken. This world is harsh. And we want to let people know that, hey, you come into the family of God. You come into the, the North Jersey Vineyard representation of the family of God. You're going to be accepted. And you're going to be appreciated. Maybe even some of you, you just kind of know, like you just feel like there's like people in your life, they don't appreciate you. Maybe they just feel like you feel like they tolerate you. But here in the, in the church, we're going to appreciate you. And we're going to affirm you. Because we have received so much mercy from God. Because we have received so much mercy. And because we were on the bottom rung of the ladder and Jesus was on the top rung and God picked us up and he put us on the top rung and he put us in Jesus, that's how we're going to treat one another. And we're going to say that, that we, we are not going to play these ridiculous games that the world plays where we're going to worry about people's wealth and worry about people's beauty and worry about people's power. We're going to say every single human being that we come in contact with they have infinite worth, unsurpassable worth, because they're made in the image of God. The precious blood of Jesus was shed for them. And we as a church are going to be super intentional to make sure that that's how we treat everybody. And I believe that if this becomes something that we actually do, like we really grow in it, we really just intentional, we all understand our part and our place in this, I think that we can change the world. Because the love of God in the church of God by the power of the Holy Spirit has shown over and over and over again that light will overcome the darkness. And so let's, let's make that commitment that we will be a people filled with God's love and we're going to give away what it is we've been filled with. And that means we're going to radically accept everybody that we come in contact with because that's what Jesus does 
And that's what he calls us to do. Let's stand. So come, Holy Spirit. God, I just bless your presence here in this place. And those of you in the room, let's just kind of dial down for a minute. Just, I, I just think there's something the Lord wants to do in our midst. Those of you at home, uh, just, you know, just block out whatever's happening in your living room and just close your eyes. If you're watching this while you drive, don't close your eyes. But you know what? Listen, every single one of us, every one of us, we have scars because of the rejection that we've experienced. Part of the human condition has been rejection. And I just think that God right now, he wants to take a moment and he wants to minister to those areas of rejection in our life. Those, those areas, those periods, those times when we weren't accepted. And so maybe you know when it was. Maybe there are things, that, dynamics in your family of origin that you know have stayed with you. Where you came out of that feeling rejected. Maybe it was junior high school, high school. Things that happened when you were 13 that have just, it just stayed with you. Whatever it is, just give it to him. And Lord, I pray that right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would open up the eyes of our heart, that we would see how much you accept us. How much, Lord, you appreciate us. That we would even hear your words of affirmation. Through your spirit right now, God. That's not because not the preacher saying it, but because your spirit's saying it. That you would hear him say, you are my son. You are my daughter. I am pleased with you. I am proud of you. I celebrate you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will dance over you with song. Just know that he celebrates you because you're in Christ. He celebrates you. He accepts you. He embraces you. And whatever rejection you've experienced in this world, just know that if you really know in your heart that God is for you, who can be against you? If the creator of all things, the creator and sustainer of all things says, you are my child, I love you, I have redeemed you, you are so valuable, you are so welcome, who cares what some broken human being did? If God is for you, who can be against you? So I just feel the presence of the Lord in this room right now. I, you know what? I just feel like God is maybe doing some business here. I just see this picture. I actually saw it in the earlier service, but I'm just God's reminding me of it again, of just this, this you know, person, not a specific person, but somebody with this like banner over their head, and the banner says rejection. 
And I just think that there might be some people here that, that like rejection has just been something that has stayed with you your whole life. And maybe you've had addiction issues and you've had, I don't know, promiscuity issues. You've had, you know, shame issues, things that just pop up. But what it really comes back to is this like root of rejection that's in your life. And I just see in that, in that kind of my mind's eye that that banner is being replaced. And instead of saying rejected, it says accepted. Accepted in the beloved. That he loves you. He's for you. And Lord, I just pray that the eyes of people's hearts would be opened up to just see how much you love us. To see how you're for us, God. And that your voice would silence all the other voices. And that we would be able, Lord, to pass it along and to give to others what you've given to us. And listen, if you're here right now, whether you're in the room or watching on, on uh, the live stream, Jesus loves you. Jesus paid the price for you so that you could be accepted in the family of God. You're not born a Christian. Just even, you know, because maybe your parents were Christian doesn't mean you are. You've got to come to the place. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks and we open up the door and then when we open it up, he comes in. And so if you've never done that, I just want to let you know, Jesus paid the price for you. He loves you. He's for you, but you've got to invite him in. And so if you're ready to do that, I want you to pray this prayer. You don't, you don't have to say it out loud. Just say it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm tired of the rat race. I'm tired of trying to climb up ladders. I'm tired of trying to fight for acceptance. I need you. I need you in my life. I believe you died on the cross in my place. And I ask you to forgive all of my sins. I accept your free gift of salvation. Please come and live inside of me. And from here on out, I'm going to follow you. You're my Lord. And I want to live according to your values, not according to the values of this world. Thank you for accepting me. Do me a favor. If you prayed that prayer in your heart, just raise your hand. Let me just see if you, if you prayed that prayer this morning. Okay, awesome. And I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. You can text. Those of you at, those of you at home, those of you here, text FOLLOW to 201-584-7188. And I will uh, reach, I'm going to reach out to you this week and just say, hey, how can I pray for you? Uh, you know, what can I do to support you? Maybe let you know about some things in the church that you can get involved with that can really help. All right, we're going we're gonna, to uh, close with the time of ministry.